Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. So this is our last week in our series. I'm not preaching a traditional Christmas message today, although it will be a Christmas message when you hear the end of the entire message. But today, I decided to continue into our series called Christmas of Hope. Uh, we've been in this series now. Uh, this is our fifth week. This is our last week of the, the series Stories of Hope. And we've been doing, if you haven't had an opportunity to see some of the previous messages, uh, you can catch them online through our website or through the uh, church app. But we also have the videos of people in our church, them sharing their story of hope. And so I encourage you to take a look at that. I think you would enjoy um, all of that. But the, the whole idea of the stories of hope is the idea to, to remind us how important hope is in our life. How important it is to have the assurance of hope. Hope encourages us to a direction. It gives us and helps us find a direction in our life. Staying in the state of hopelessness will rob you of your future. God wants us to step out in faith. We need to be led by faith, not by hopelessness. We need to have hope in our life. Our hope is in God's word, and it will lead us into a greater faith and into a greater future. The enemy is trying to rob you of hope. The devil, the Satan, whatever you want to call him, he's trying to rob you of your hope in Christ. He's trying to rob you of your hope for the future. He's trying to rob, he doesn't want you to have hope. But let me share about the God that we have. We have a God who is hope. He wants to give you hope. Even in the midst of our failure, he plans a, a plan of hope for our lives. Listen to the Apostle Paul as he writes these words. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will find you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Today I want to share with you about a story of a woman whose hope in God saved the future of her people. Today's story is found in the book of Esther. Esther is a book that is located two books in front of Psalms. The whole entire book is 10 chapters. And uh, we're not going, for the sake of time, we're not going to be able to read the entire 10 chapters today. So I'm going to give you a brief synopsis of what is taking place in Esther's life. And the whole idea of today's message of hope is that we have a future. Okay, that we have a future and God has a plan for your life. But let me jump into the story. During this time, King Xerxes was the king of Persia, and he ruled over 127 provinces, stretching from India to Kush. He was the most powerful monarch in the world at that point. Most powerful monarch in the world. King Xerxes decided to throw a big banquet. We've all, how many have been going to any Christmas parties so far this year? Yeah, you've been going, okay. Well, he decides to throw this huge banquet. And basically, this banquet is all about showing his power, showing his wealth. This banquet lasted for seven days. Staff don't get any ideas. I'm not throwing any banquets that are going to last for seven days. But it was a, basically a huge party. When the king sent messengers to summon uh, his queen at that time, Queen Vashti, she, he, he sent messengers to summon her, summons her, and she refused to come to his party. Not a good thing. 
This infuriated the king, and she was given the, the old boot, basically, and was never allowed to enter into the king's presence ever again. And so now, the mercy was that she wasn't executed on the spot, but she was never allowed, so maybe she got the, the better of both worlds. I'm not sure. But then the king decided to go on a search to find a new queen. There were many applicants for the position. You can, we, I think we just had the Miss America pageant on the deal. I don't watch it, but I literally don't watch it. But I know that it was on because Annette taped it. And, and so consider this the Miss Persia pageant, okay? And it was the, literally the biggest pageant of its time. And basically it was all about finding a new queen for the king. Out of all the contestants, it was a young lady named Esther who was chosen to be the queen of Persia, as she was seen as the most beautiful and the most attractive woman out of all of the contestants. She not only won the king's favor, but scripture says that, that states that she won the favor of everyone that saw her. This was a pageant. In fact, it says in scripture that this woman, or all the contestants, before they even got to meet the king, catch this, this is amazing, they got 12 months of beauty treatment. Yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to say amen to that. 12 months of beauty treatments with the best oils, the best everything, before they could even step into the presence of the king. So she won the favor of the king. She won the favor of the people. Now Esther's parents had died when she was young, and she was being cared for by her cousin whose name was Mordecai. And basically it seems like to me that Mordecai was almost like an uncle to her, And so he was caring for her. The Bible states that Mordecai cared for her just like she was his own daughter. Mordecai and Esther were both Jews. That's an important piece. They were both Jews. Mordecai had been carried into exile from Jerusalem during the time of King Nebuchadnezzar and in the king of Babylon. Mordecai is now residing in Susa, which is the metropolitan city of Persia. So basically, if you get the picture, Mordecai and Esther are not even living in their own country. They've basically been exiled, and they're living in another country that really has no respect or no love for their God, the one and true God. They're living in a foreign country trying to make the best of things in a world that sometimes maybe didn't seem great. But here all of a sudden Queen Esther, a Jewish woman, all of a sudden goes through this whole thing of the, of the, of, of, of the Miss, uh, Miss Persian pageant and she is chosen as queen. Remember, she has not told everybody because her, her, her cousin Mordecai tells Esther, don't let anybody know that you're a Jew. Keep that secret from everybody. Don't, don't expose that to anybody. Don't share it with every, anybody in the, in the palace, with any of your friends, no one. Keep it, as a, keep it quiet. So after Esther was chosen as queen, the king threw, a, threw another huge banquet in honor of the new queen. And basically it was a national holiday. Now it appears Mordecai, remember Mordecai is Esther's cousin, kind of like an uncle to her. Mordecai appears that he had a job or some type of a situation where he would be at the king's palace, at the gate. And the gate of the palace was usually back in, the, in Bible times was a place where a lot of civil activities took place, a lot of civil duties. Mordecai is at the palace and all of a sudden two of the leaders of the, leaders of, of the, of the king, Xerxes, all of a sudden were talking. And you know, if you've ever heard that, you've heard, well, that's kind of an interesting conversation. And so Mordecai's just slipping over a little bit and starting to listen to this conversation that these two leaders had. 
all of a sudden, he discovers that there is a plot that is taking a place that they're planning to assassinate the king. They're not happy with the king. They're planning to assassinate the king. So Mordecai goes to the new queen, which is Esther, his cousin. And he shares with Esther, hey, there is a plan to assassinate the king. Well, immediately Esther goes to the king, exerts and shares about the plan. He sends out his investigative team. They investigate the whole situation, finds out that it's true, and basically he has those two leaders arrested and executed. He literally impaled them. The execution back in those days would basically to impale them on a sharp pole. And basically they, they would leave them out for everybody to see that you cannot um, rebel against the king. So this is taking place, and now as we enter into chapter 3 of Esther, a new man is in, introduced into the story. His name is Haman, and Haman becomes a close confidant to King Xerxes. The Bible says that he was elevated to a position in the court that was higher than any of the other nobles. When Haman would enter into the presence of people, under the king's orders, people would have to bow down before Haman. They would bow down low and worship Haman. Now here's the problem. Mordecai, a Jew, worshiped God and God alone. So when all of a sudden Haman started entering into the presence of Mordecai, when Mordecai was there at the palace gates, Mordecai would not bow down to Haman. He couldn't. He wasn't trying to be disrespectful. He just knew in his heart, in his conscience, that he could not do that because he served the one true God. He could not bow down before a man. But he's basically a, a, a disobeying the king's order by not bowing down to Haman. This infuriated Haman. This brought Haman to a whole nother level, a level of just totally being upset. He was frustrated. This guy is humiliating me in front of all these people. And all of a sudden, Haman becomes an arch enemy of Mordecai and the Jewish people. So Haman goes, I'm sharing the story of Esther. Haman goes to the king. And basically, he brings out a decree against all of the Jewish people. And it's a decree of genocide. He's opening up the ability for anybody in the country to kill a Jew and there'd be no problem with it. And it basically he was going to exterminate the Jewish people. And in the midst of that, remember Mordecai's a Jew and he would be executed as well in this whole plan that Haman had about getting rid of Mordecai because he was embarrassed by what Mordecai was doing. When, when Mordecai was informed of the plan of genocide on the Jewish people of, his, of, of the land. When he heard about that decree, Scripture says this, in, that Mordecai tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. When Esther heard about Mordecai's actions, she sent one of her servants to go out and find out what was taking place. And Mordecai shared with this servant, she shared, he shared with this servant what was taking place, that there was a decree that was sent out to annihilate all the Jewish people. And then Mordecai shares with this servant this plan. He says, go and instruct, to go, go instruct and tell Esther to go into the king's presence and beg for the mercy of her people. Now, here's the problem. Esther and anybody that worked in the palace, any of the nobles, any of the king's officials knew that you could not enter into the presence of the king, into the inner court of the king, unless you had been summoned. 
If you entered in without being summoned, guess what would take place? You would be executed. It would cost you your life. The only, the only exception to that was that the king had a gold scepter, and if he would raise that scepter up, then all of a sudden there'd be mercy shown to that person that had entered into his presence without being summoned. So Esther says, I need you to go back to Mordecai, my cousin, and tell him, hey, if I do this, it could cost me my life. You know what you're asking me to do. Do you understand the, 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 the difficulty of what you're asking for? Mordecai heard Esther's response, and he sent back this reply. Catch, this, catch a hold of this. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace that you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at this time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply back to Mordecai. Go and, and gather together with all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat for, or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word today. And I pray, God, today as we continue to share this word, that it will come alive to our hearts. That, Lord God, we would understand that no matter who's sitting here today, no matter their feeling about life or what the purpose of life is, that they will understand that there is a plan for their life. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Esther goes to the king and to the Jewish people after she has prayed and fasted for three days. And the king extends his gold scepter, which spares her life. And then the king asks this question of Esther. He says, what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom... It will be given to you. Esther then shares, man, she must have been a knockout. I mean, for half the kingdom, I'm just thinking right now. It's like, woo, wow. Okay, so then King, so Esther shares with the king that she had planned to throw this banquet in his honor, and she wanted him and Haman to attend this banquet. The king was very pl pl pleased about this whole thing, and, and, and when he gets to the banquet, he asks uh, the queen, Esther, once again, what do you request of me? She replies, if I, have found, if I have pleased you, if you have found favor in me, my request is that you come back again tomorrow because I am going to, the banquet is going to be extending tomorrow, and then I will tell you my request. So now Haman is happy. The king is happy. They're having this, this party for the king. Haman's on cloud nine. He's leaving the palace. I mean, they've been, it's been a great party. He's leaving the palace. And as he's walking through the palace gates, guess who he meets up with? Mordecai. Good job, guys. You've been listening. He meets up with Mordecai. Mordecai, the person that refuses to bow down in his presence, even though the, the king has ordered that request that you bow down into his presence. He meets it. It makes him so infuriated. He just got done with having a great, have any of you guys had a great day? And then all of a sudden everything's going great. And then as soon as you, all of a sudden something just brings it crashing down. This is Haman. Haman goes home and he complains to his wife. You know what happened today? 
Man, it was a great party. And then I had to meet with that guy, Mordecai. I was walking out the city gate. He would not bow down to me. And, 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 and Haman's wife and some of his friends says, hey, they devised this plan. You know what? Sharpen a pole. Now, this is not a little pole. It's not like a toothpick. A 75-foot pole. Huge pole. And have, have Mordecai impaled on that pole. In fact, when you go back to the banquet this next morning, when you go back, the king's going to be in great spirits because they're celebrating his greatness. And when you get an opportunity, talk to the king about Mordecai, how Mordecai refuses to bow down to you, and ask him to have Mordecai executed. So that's the plan. The next day it takes place. Mordecai gets to the palace early. He's in the outer court. What he doesn't realize is that the king couldn't sleep that night. For whatever reason, something's happening. He couldn't sleep. So he calls a couple of his attendants and he says, hey, go get the book of the Chronicles. The book of the Chronicles basically recorded the history of, of, his, of the king's life and all the decisions that he had made. And they started to read to him the book of the Chronicles about what was taking place in his life because he couldn't sleep. And all of a sudden they came. Now, if you remember back when this whole thing started about Mordecai overhearing the plot of the assassination, all of a sudden that all of a sudden is displayed in the Chronicles. And all of a sudden the king goes, Oh, I forgot about that. Mordecai saved my life. He said, What did I do for him? And the attendant says, Well, we haven't done anything. All of a sudden, the king thinks that's not, that's not good. And then he finds out that Haman, remember Haman's the hater of Mordecai, is out in the outer courtyard. This is a true story. Read Esther, chapter, uh, Esther 10 chapters. You can do it today when you get home. And there's more details in there that's really juicy. It's like, whoa, what? Okay. The king finds out that Haman is outside in the outer courtyard. He says, Bring Haman into, into the inner courtyard. So he summons Haman. Haman gets in there, and all of a sudden the king says, Haman, what would you do for a man that pleases the king? What would you do for a man that pleases the king? Haman, full of pride, thinks that it's about him. He thinks, oh, the king wants to honor me. Oh, this is so cool. He says, man, go to your massive walk-in closet, king, and pick out the best robe that you have. And I would put that on that person. And then I'd find your finest horse that you have ridden. And I'd put him on that horse. And then I would find a nobleman, someone that everybody respects. And I'd have that nobleman lead him through the city. And he would state these words. This is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor. The king replies to Haman, I love it. Go and do what you said. I want you to lead Mordecai on the horse through the city and make the statement, this is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor. Now, talk about a turnaround. Think about it. Haman had just got to the palace. His whole plan is for the execution of Mordecai. And now Haman finds himself with a horse in his hand walking while Mordecai is up on the king's horse and he's making that statement. As he's walking through the city. 
crazy turnaround of event. After Haman finished parading Mordecai through the streets, he returned home and shared this whole thing back to his wife once again. How humiliated he was, what happened to him, what do I do? And the wife was pretty smart. She pretty much knew, this is the end for you, dude. I mean, if the king found, has found favor with Mordecai, you're going to be in trouble. You better go up and beg for mercy. But he doesn't even have a chance. At the banquet, the king once again asked Esther, what is your request? Then Esther replies to the king, please spare my life and the life of my people. The king goes, who's trying to kill you? And all of a sudden, at that point, Queen Esther exposes the plan that Haman had to destroy Mordecai and her people. And all of a sudden, the king realizes that that Queen Esther is a a beautiful Jewish lady that is trying to be destroyed by Haman. Well, guess what happens to Haman? Any guesses out there? Remember that 75-foot pole that was sharpened? The king has him impaled on that pole so everybody would know that you do not go against the king. Long story short, the lives of the Jewish people were spared And they were given the authority not only to defend themselves from attack, but basically they were given the authority to destroy anybody who would attack against them. The Jewish people became powerful under the king's authority. And from this story of hope that I was sharing today, I want to share some thoughts about the hope for the future. I felt like Jonathan and Melissa's story that they shared with us today was such a powerful story about having hope for the future. Because sometimes what happens, we just live day by day, and it becomes uh, just kind of a mundane day. But I want to share with you today that God has a plan for your life. And there's times that we forget. We just walk through the day. We, we do the normal routine of each and every day. But we forget that God has a great plan for your life. He does. Mordecai and Esther were both immigrants who were forced from their country. They're living in a land that had no respect or acknowledgement for the one true God. At times, they probably felt like they had been forgotten by God. And the news of the imminent annihilation of their people could have sent hopelessness through their lives. Yet Mordecai found hope in the middle of that situation, in the middle of his grief. He recognized that something must be happening because why would Esther all of a sudden become queen of Persia? This must be part of God's plan. Remember, he sent that message to Esther. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this? Who knows what God has planned for your life? And you're walking in fear. And you're walking around in hopelessness. You have your head down. And God has a great plan for your life. He just needs you to have courage. Many times, discovering God's plan requires the courage to take a risk. Finding hope requires courage. In life, we're always looking for the sure thing. I do. I want the sure thing. Man, what's the sure thing out there? But that's not how life works. Many times to find the greater hope in life requires taking a risk. It requires the courage to step beyond your comfort zone, learning to trust in God and not in your flesh. When I heard Jonathan and Melissa, they were just going to go out and they're going to take a risk. They're going to move. They're going to try to do something because they knew that something was stirring inside of them. Esther took a risk that had the potential of ending her life. The scripture states in Esther 4.11 that the king, and I didn't share this part of it, The king had not summoned her to his palace for 30 days. 
So when Mordecai asked Esther, go to the king and plead for mercy upon the Jewish people, you need to recognize something that I didn't read in scripture yet. That at that point, she had not been with the king for 30 days. He had not called her for 30 days. He had, she had no relationship with the queen. Think what would be going through her mind. You know how we do that sometimes when we start thinking about things and we, our mind just starts to play games? I am sure Queen Esther was thinking, man, is the king tired of me? Am I no longer his favorite? Am I no longer, you know, the one that he looks upon? And all of a sudden, Mordecai's asking her to go into the king's presence. She hasn't been talking to the king for 30 days. This is a big ask. It took a great step of courage for her to enter into the king's presence when she hadn't been asked to be in his presence for 30 days. But you got to remember what was at stake. It was the stake of her life, of Mordecai's life, of the Jewish people. Even if she could have hid, I was thinking about this, even if she could have hid her nationality from the king, and she could have, could she have lived with her conscience seeing that the, mass, the massacre of her people while she lived in the palace? I don't think so. She couldn't have handled that. Esther makes this statement in Esther 4.16. Though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. Sometimes understanding God's plan requires that we take a risk. We have to be willing to risk everything when we choose to follow after God. The Bible, if you read your Bible, it is full of risk takers. Matthew, who risked his business, he's a tax collector, he risked everything to go and follow Jesus. The woman who had the issue of blood, and she'd been seeing doctors over and over again, she fought through the crowd, and she shouldn't be in the crowd because she had a bleeding problem, which was forbidden for her to be in public. And she fought through the crowd to touch the hem of the garden. She had courage. She goes, that's Jesus. I know if I touch the hem of his garment, there's something for my future that will change. She touches the hem of his garment. Zacchaeus who sought after Jesus. He climbed up to the sycamore tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus, and Jesus stops everything and says, hey, I'm going to have lunch with you today, Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was so moved, he stepped out in courage. He said, you know what? I'm going to give half of my money to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to repay them four times more. He stepped out in courage. He didn't worry about his finances. He said, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. Daniel, who refused to stop worshiping God even if it's going to cost him his life. His three friends, Shadrach, thank you, Meshach, and Abednego. My mom used to say, Shadrach, Meshach, and bed we go. I thought, oh my gosh. And every time I say that as an adult, it still comes through my mind. Can't get rid of it. Oh. They refused to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar. And they were thrown in the fiery furnace. Courage. Peter. We think about Peter. We think he was full of mistakes. Peter, man of courage. When Jesus came walking on the water, he looked at Jesus, just call me forth. And Jesus calls Peter, and Peter's the only one that steps out into the water. Now remember, this is not calm seas. This is during a storm. And Peter steps out in the water to follow Jesus. Courage. Esther risked everything to find God's plan. Maybe God is asking you to risk something. Maybe not everything, 
But what is God asking you to risk? But what he wants you to do is to step out in courage. Step out in faith. Step out to believe. This morning, thank you for dealing with our construction. We've repainted our walls. We got our new sound system up. And I was watching, I was listening to our worship team, which is a great worship team. They're awesome. And they were singing. They were leading us in worship. And as I was watching them worship, I was thinking about it. When I was preparing my message, I was thinking, you know, there's people on our worship team. If you would have known the courage that it would took, that took them to get up on this platform and sing because of the fear of failure, the fear of being seen, but they had courage. And I tell you, it opens up the purpose and the plan for your life if you're willing to step out with some courage. You can't expect to gain anything if you're not willing to risk anything. I will say it again. How are you ever going to gain anything if you're not willing to risk anything? Let me give a disclaimer. My disclaimer. It's important to understand that we don't just take risks for taking risks for the, for the sake of taking risks. I know many risk takers who are broken, miserable. But many times our obedience to God will require us taking a risk. Seeing hope fulfilled in your life requires obedience. Seeing hope fulfilled in your life requires obedience. Esther stepped out and obeyed and, and her deepest hope for her people were fulfilled. Their lives spared and they were given a future and a hope. Remember Mordecai's reply to Esther when she was concerned about breaking the law and entering into the king's presence without being summoned? Mordecai stated to her, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at this time like this, deliverance and, and relief for the Jews will rise from some other place. God will find, God will fulfill his plan. He will bring something out from some other place if you don't do what God's calling you to do. You see, God will establish his work with or without you. Do you realize that? God's going to establish his plan. He's going to fulfill his plan with or without you. But he wants you with him. He wants you to be a part of his plan. He wants you to be a part of the fulfillment of his plan. Do you have the courage to step out in faith and to obey God? Don't put your trust in your surroundings. Mordecai reminded Esther, Ben, just because you're living in the palace, don't think that's going to keep you safe. You need to step out in faith. See, there's times in our lives I watch different things that happen where we go through troubles, we go through difficulty, and we have, the, we have this fear of stepping out and being courageous and taking a risk. Or everything is going great. We have all the money in the world. We're not worried about our job is secure. Your, your spouse is happy and everything's going great. And you're fearful of taking a step of courage and stepping out in faith. Because I don't want to wreck anything. But I'm here to declare to you today that as God is calling you to do something, you better have the courage to be obedient and to step out in faith. As we celebrate this week, the week of Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, I want you to remember that it was Jesus who established the hope in our lives. It was Jesus who risked everything by coming from heaven to earth to fulfill the plan that his Father had for us. 
It was Jesus that gave us a hope that was beyond so that we could have a future. And it's our, it's our requirement, it's our need to be able to step out and courage and to follow what God has planned for our lives. Our salvation comes through our faith in Jesus Christ. Today, my encouragement for us as a church is to step out in obedience and watch, watch what God will do for your future, how he'll fulfill his plan for your life. You will never regret, regret the decision that you make. It's a story of hope. Today, I end our series, Stories of Hope, on the hope of understanding that Jesus is your hope, that God is your hope. Esther all of a sudden saw the situation. She had no hope. The genocide of all of her people. And yet God put her in a place to create a position where there is hope for the future. Where has God placed you? And maybe that hope is for you, but maybe that hope is for someone else. Remember, Esther might have been able to keep quiet, never said a word. Maybe she would have been okay. Mordecai said, you're not going to be. But maybe she could have tried that. But it was, it was more than just about her. It was about saving her people. For our Heavenly Father, it was never just about Him. It's about sending His one and only Son to earth to die on a cross for our sins. And it took the birth of Jesus Christ on this earth to fulfill the plan and the purpose that He has for our life. This Christmas season, as we celebrate Christmas, as we give out gifts, as we love our family and our friends, I want you to remember that God has a plan for your life. And I want you to have the courage to step out in faith and to believe. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, God, that your word is powerful and it's effective. It states that your word will not return void, meaning that when your word is declared that it's going to have some kind of action if we're willing to step out in faith and to believe. I pray, God, that there'll be people here with hearts of belief, Lord God, to put their trust in you and you alone. I thank you for the opportunity to share today, God, your word. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, for us to come together and to worship you. And God, we glorify you and you alone. And I thank you for what you're doing in and in our lives. With every head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. I had a specific prayer that I wanted to pray with people today. If you don't know Christ, I want you to come down at the end of the service. We're going to have a prayer team down here that's going to be praying for people for healing. But if you don't know Christ, come on down and share that with someone. And they'll lead you to understanding who Jesus is in their life. I'll be down here. Come on down and, and see me and I'll pray with you. But today, I just felt so compelled in my heart. If you're here today and you've been struggling as we conclude this series of hope, you've been struggling with hope. There's been times in your life it just seems like a hopeless situation. Maybe the job that you're in, you hate the job that you're in, or, or maybe you have this desire for, for marriage, or maybe you have a desire for having children, or maybe whatever it might be, and you feel like yourself in a situation, God, where's your plan? I don't see it, God. Where's your plan? I want to pray with you today, because I believe that God during this Christmas season can give you peace about that, but also start to reveal your plan if you're willing to step out in faith and have courage. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Tom, I want you to pray with me because I need greater hope in my life. I want you to raise your hand real high. I see that hand. 
I see that hand. I see that hand. I see your hands. Stories of hope today. Stories of miracles. Stories of turnaround. Stories of great things that are going to take place if we have the faith and the courage to obey. Lord Jesus, you see each hand raised. I raise my hand with them, Lord. And I pray today, God, that those who are struggling, Lord God, to see the plan, maybe they're struggling with just having hope for tomorrow, whatever it might be. I pray, God, that you would intervene in their situation, that you would start to reveal the plan in their life, just like Mordecai revealed the plan for Esther. God, I pray someone will step up and start revealing the plan, or you would reveal in a dream at night, whatever it might be. But God, when that plan is revealed, I pray for each and every person that they would have the courage to follow after you and your plan, Lord God. They would have the faith to obey and watch what you will do in their lives. I pray and ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. God good? He is good. He is faithful. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.